Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Sixer Sense Podcast, hosted by co-site experts Lucas Johnson and Christopher Klein. Hey everybody, welcome to our podcast. I'm Lucas, I got Chris and Uriah here yet again. We are recording directly after the Sixers' surprising loss against the Washington Wizards. But before we get into that, how are we doing this week, guys? How, how are your fantasy teams? What's going on? Fantasy team is, I, I don't feel too great about it. Um, otherwise, I'm doing pretty good. How about y'all? My fantasy team is doing well, and it's mainly because I have Joel Embiid and uh, LeBron James. LeBron's going to be out for a couple of days, but it's all right. Embiid's been averaging like 50 points, fantasy points, so I'm good. That's good. I'm I'm dealing with a lot of injuries on my team. I got Garland out. I got Brogdon out. I got Brooks, uh, Dylan Brooks out. Don't you have Durant? I, got, Don't you have I have Durant, Durant out. I have LaMarcus Aldridge out. I recently re-added Derrick Rose because he's getting ready to come back, but he's still out. It's It's just been a rough run, guys. Hey, Lucas. You know who has Ben Simmons on their fantasy team? I think it was Chris. No, Chris traded him. He did. Chris, no. Yeah, he traded him a while back, was... didn't you? No, I didn't. Oh, you didn't? I thought no. you were. I thought you traded with uh, Jonathan. No. How you I feeling? To... How you feeling about that pick right now, Chris? Great. Can I get him back in two weeks. <laughs> yeah, if he suits up, he's sitting out. Buddy. We'll get yeah. to that later. Well, yeah, we'll definitely get into that later. But let's go ahead, and we're going to not start off with the Wizards game because that's that's going to bring up some bad vibes. Let's start off with some good vibes here, and we're going to start with the Wizards game. The, not the Wizards, the Grizzlies game. So, Chris, go ahead and jump into that for us. Yeah, so Memphis, Joel, sat out that game, planned rest after 21 straight appearances. Um you know, Memphis is one of the hottest teams in the NBA right now. They're gunning for one of the top three spots in the West. And the Sixers won it by three in overtime, I think, somewhat surprisingly. 122 to 119 was the final score. This was a big Tyrese Maxey game, 33 points, eight dimes. Um, Andre Drummond had 16 points, 23 rebounds, five dimes, two steals, three blocks. Pretty, pretty great um, fill-in for Joel Embiid, I'd say. A really good Tobias Harris game. Um, so this was a really fun game to watch. Obviously, you had John Morant and Desmond Bain doing really cool things on the other side of the floor. What were some of your big takeaways, Lucas? Well, let me start with Memphis here first. John Morant and Desmond Bain are working their way up into a top five duo in the backcourt in the NBA. Just top five guard tandem in the back M- NBA. They're, they're getting there. Uh, Moran is obviously an MVP candidate and Bain is probably one of the players up for, Oh, I mean, he would be if he wasn't in his second year, but he's, he's made a big jump this year, becoming one of the best two way, uh, three and D guys in the league. He has a little bit more to his game than just three point shooting too. Um, it's a dynamic duo there. So I got to get props there. Um, Jaron Jackson jr. Is nothing to, you know, bat an eye at, and they have a good bench. It just did not do that much for them in this game. 
Um, on the Sixers' behalf, you talked about Harris having a good game. You talked about Andre Drummond. Uh, that's why Andre Drummond was drawn, signed. Guys, I I think this is the I think this we're seeing. We saw the full potential Maxi in this game. Granted, he had to play forty three minutes because of overtime, but still, I'm I'm just and let's not forget that he had four blocks in this game. The guy's showing real potential as a two way guard in this league. Yeah, I I I I agree with Lucas. Like it was pretty much the the Tyrese Maxi show. I mean, he went head to head with John Moran, who, as Lucas said, is in the MVP conversation. That's not an easy thing to do. I think he played better than Morant. Um, yeah, and I mean, he hit big shots down the stretch of the fourth quarter. Hit the game winner in overtime. Like that. That's big stuff from a guy who's in his second NBA season. Um, Harris had a really good game as well. Drummond, as I said, a lot of guys stepped up. With Isaiah Joe. Yeah, Isaiah Joe. A lot of guys stepped up, which hasn't always been the case when Joel misses time. Um, Memphis, again, is just a really good team. Like, that's a team that's knocking on the door in the Western Conference this season. Um, they can make some noise in the playoffs. So that that's not an easy win with Joel. So really impressive. Kind of a bummer that they followed it up with a loss to the Wizards, which we'll talk about. But, um, Lucas, my last question here is, you know, where does this rank among the Sixers wins this season? I, I have to say personally, it feels like it's kind of towards the top. Cause uh, yeah, okay. I would say top three for sure. Yeah. I mean, no Joel again. And, and it was fun. It was like a genuinely entertaining game. It wasn't a blowout. It was back and forth. So it was on the entertainment scale. It was high up there in terms of how impressive it was. It was really high up there. So you really can't ask for more. Mm-hmm. I will say this, even though Seth Curry had a, Horrendous game shooting the ball, one of eight from downtown, nine points. He did have eight assists, and I think Curry's um, playmaking is a little underrated this season, how much better he's gotten as a playmaker. Also, like I said, Isaiah Joe, 10 points in 14 minutes. This uh, on two of four shooting from downtown. This is what Sixers fans wanted to see from Joe. I think he just needs more burn. But, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, And... That's, I mean, that's all I really wanted to say about that. Um, yeah, I think this is a top three victory for the Sixers for sure. But let's go ahead and switch gears. Or real quick. Okay, the, go ahead. Um, do you think that that win against Memphis is more impressive than the win on the road in Brooklyn? Remember that last game of 2021? They they went into Brooklyn and they beat the Nets? Or are they yeah. on the same level? What do you think? Yeah, I think it is. I think it is more impressive because you did that with Joel Embiid when he started his hot streak. That's true. That's true. This is without Joel Embiid, and most nights Drummond doesn't show up. Half the nights Drummond doesn't show up when he gets to start. He actually looked like he was engaged and clearly was playing one of his best games this season. I would say um, Tobias showed up, Maxi. Like I said, not only a playmaker, but creating for others. He was actively looking for, you know, the passing lanes, too. It wasn't just, like, bailout passes. I remember one particular pick and roll with Drummond that just looked beautiful. Um, And it was – I would say, yeah, this is more impressive because it was a close game, and they didn't have their closer. Joel Embiid's been the team's closer, and he wasn't there, and they were still able to close it out. Granted, it took overtime, but it it still happened. Okay. Chris, what do you think? 
I mean, Memphis is like four or five games ahead of Brooklyn in the standings. So um, obviously the Nets come playoff time if they're healthy are going to be a lot of people's favorites. But the Grizzlies have been a much better and more consistent team during the regular season, at least. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, like Sixers historically are just really bad when Joel misses time. So I, I'd say it was a really impressive win. Um, I, I, I think you could say maybe is their most impressive win this season. All right. I have one more for you. And this mm-hmm. one I think might be tougher to compare uh, simply because in this game that I'm going to give you, Embiid was also out. And the Sixers are on the road in Denver. The Sixers beat Denver on the road back in mm-hmm. November. So was that win rank higher than the Memphis win? Or what do you guys think? I honestly don't remember enough from that game to rightfully say. Um, if it, I, Well, obviously they were without Jamal Murray. I don't know what was going on with Michael Porter at that time. Jokic. Let me let me give you some numbers. Let me give you some numbers. Okay. 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 Tobias had a nice game. 17 points. Maxi had 22. Mm-hmm. Curry had 20. Bassey gave us 12. Milton gave us 12. In the Nuggets, Jokic went off for 30. Will Barton had 19. Uh, Morris had 11. But the point is the Sixers went into Denver, where they rarely win, without Joel Embiid. And they 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 pretty much smacked around the Nuggets. So mm. do you still think the Memphis game is better? Yes, purely just because right now Memphis is a better team. Okay. Yeah. But, right. yeah. I think that's where I'm at. Like Memphis is, has been a tier above Denver all year. And I mean, Denver's gone on a bit of a hot streak lately, but when the Sixers played them, they were like right around 500. And that's, mm-hmm. that's true. Obviously because of injuries and it's not really their fault per se, but Memphis has been, red hot pretty much since the jump and, and there aren't too many guys playing better than John Moran obviously Jokic is one of them but um, yeah I mean this that was a healthy healthy Grizzlies team and um, some some pretty big time stuff from time I to have night. to admit I have to admit I was like all season I look at the box score of the Western Conference I see the Memphis Grizzlies at the top I'm thinking really Memphis but they're, after they watching the... them, after watching them against yeah. the Sixers, they're good. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised, but I'm also happy for them because I've been to Memphis and all they have is basketball. So I'm, mm. I'm happy for them. I'll say this: out of the top, te- I would say they're third best team in terms of chemistry in the whole entire NBA. In terms of chemistry, I think they're the third best behind the Phoenix Suns and the Golden State Warriors. You can interchange those two, but they're number three. I think they had really great chemistry. I'm actually watching the Grizzlies right now on uh, ESPN playing against the Knicks. And uh, you just see that they a young core, but that coaching staff has them playing well together. And, um, you know, even though they're, uh, even though John Moran's struggling right now, it's a, it's a fun game to watch. I mean, Grizzlies still leading by ten. So, I mean, just just throwing that out there. It's I th- I think they're top ten, uh, top three team in terms of chemistry in the whole NBA. All right. Anyway, so let's get into tonight's disappointment. I mean, game. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, <laughs> let's talk about the Wizards. The Wizards are twenty four and twenty seven after a hot start. They've really struggled. Um, Yet somehow they are able to beat the Sixers. Um, Sixers struggled to score in the last quarter, only scoring 24 points to the Wizards' 25. This ending score was 106 Wizards, 103 Sixers. 
Chris, you know, Joel Embiid had a, you know, pedestrian 27 points, 14 rebounds on inefficient shooting and six assists, by the way. Maxi had a pretty good 22 points, eight, eight rebounds, seven assists. Tobias had a Tobias game, 18 points, nine rebounds. But overall, Chris, what is your thoughts from this game? Yeah, I mean, I don't know what we expected. Like, of course, they lost this game. Um, you know, of course, it was Montrez Harrell who had a ton of weird big shots down the stretch. Of course, it's the game Joel comes back after they beat Memphis without him, et cetera, et cetera. Um, look, the Wizards are in a pretty remarkable state of disrepair right now. So this is really not the funnest game to talk about. But Maxi was really good again. Jarrell struggled a bit from the field, didn't really have his best night defensively, but still, I think a lot of positives to take away. His passing was was quite nice to watch. He had some big shots down the stretch, even. Um, you know, I, I mean, that last minute was kind of frustrating. Um, you know, Tobias is a very can be very frustrating to watch at times and does some really strange things with the ball in his hands every now and then, but. Um, you know, it's nothing to panic about. The Sixers have been really on a tear lately. Um, you know, every now and then they're going to hit a bump in the road. I don't think it's worth panicking. I, you know, it, it happens to the best of them. So I, I, I think this maxi run is really positive. He just continues to look better and better each night. And, you know, there were no Seth Curry this game. Guys continue to be kind of in and out. That's the case for every team this year. But the Wizards didn't have Beal, so it's it's a pretty bad loss on the surface. But, um, you know, Bradley Beal will be a sixer in two weeks, so who cares, right? <laughs> I wish. I wish. Hey, look. We'll talk. But, you know, you bring up Brad- Bradley Beal, Chris. And now I have to get to it here. Wait, 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 wait. Let me, okay. Let me let me give okay. let me give okay. some take on the on the Wizards okay. game. Okay, 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 okay. Go, go, go. So, because Chris, Chris said, like, you know, what do we expect? I expected to win this game, Chris, because Beal was out, and B was coming back after a little rest. Maxi, as you said, and I'll give you that point, has been playing really well. He's flourishing in front of our eyes. And the one thing I will say after watching this game, he's looking for his teammates more in transition. And Lucas, before the podcast, was mentioning the assists that have been piling up for him. So we're seeing our young point guard really blossom in front of our eyes. And the one last thing before we move on is there's a move that Joel Embiid added to his bag. When you didn't think he could add more, he did. So we know he can do the fadeaway, the the Dirk one-handed, you know, fadeaway jumper. Uh, he's doing more moves like Kobe and KD. But he did a move in the post tonight, guys, mm-hmm. where he had his back to the basket. Lucas will mm-hmm. appreciate this. Uh, and do. it was a quick spin to the baseline, and nobody could stop him. It was reminiscent of Charles Barkley. I mean, quick spin move. He didn't even dribble. He just turned, and he drove, and he, and he executed. So that, That's a hard move because if is. you're not – because you have to make sure your pivot foot stays put. Right, and then and – If you drag, then, that's a travel. And then also, Lucas, knowing – the defender, like what they're doing, and knowing where, where you are in relation to the basket, because if you spin too much, you're under you can the under, basket, uh, under the basket, or like yeah. not at a place to put the ball up. Yeah, so that's so, a hard move. So Embiid adding that to his basket, uh, basket adding that to his bag is impressive, and it's, it sucked that we lost, but I did expect to win this game. 
Well, I, I'll say this about the game. You talk about adding a new move to their bag. Maxi did the exact same thing. Now we're starting to see him con- pull up, you know, pull dribble, pull up on the three pointers. He's not he's not great at you know standstill jumpers, but if he has the ball in his hands and he pulls up for it, we're and you know he was trying to do that at the beginning of the season, but now it's starting to fall. It's starting to click. Yeah, it's starting, starting to, click. to click. You're right. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But enough, you know, Chris brought up Beal, and now, now we have to talk about it. We have to talk about it, guys. And, you know, according, you know, there's a little bit of, from what I've seen in the reports, there's a little bit of turmoil, whether or not, regarding his future. And the Sixers are looking to trade Ben for Beal, but according to Shams Karini of The Athletic, he, they're not willing to include Tyrese Maxey. So, Chris, what do you think about the report, the Bradley Beal report about possibly being open to a trade? Yeah, um, I I don't think it was about Beal being open to a trade. I, I don't think that's the right way to put it. It seems like the Sixers are very much open to trading Ben Simmons for Bradley Beal. Um, I would be. I still don't think the Wizards are going to do anything before the trade deadline. They might add someone next to Beal. I, I still feel like this drags onto the offseason, but a lot can change in eight days. It's stranger things have happened. Um, there, There's clearly some doubt there. The Wizards, again, aside from tonight, have been pretty bad lately. Um, so uh, as far as the Maxi thing goes, of course you don't want to put Maxi in a trade package at this point. Shames also said that the Sixers youth Bible is untouchable. I'm a bit. Yeah, you wrote about that today. Yeah, I'm a bit less inclined to say Bibles off the table. You know, you have to give something to get something. Um, a lot of teams would want Bradley Beal if he's put on the trade market. I, I don't think it would be a Philly exclusive. So you're going to have to outbid some guys. And Bible's great, but he's still a pretty big negative on the offensive end. And there's a ceiling for guys who shoot 28% from three and don't really give you much else on offense, you know? So, um, like the Bucks gave up or pardon me. Yeah. The Bucks gave up like four first round picks swaps, all that stuff for drew holiday on an expiring contract. If it's Beal, you're going to have to give up quite a bit. And Thibel is really tremendous to watch. He's going to make an all defense team again, but, um, I, I don't think he should be off the table when we're dealing with guys as good as Bradley Beal. Beal is 28 years old. He pretty drastically improves the Sixers' chances of winning it all this year. Um, like, Beal and Maxi is a really cool backcourt. And Beal really complements Joel quite well once those guys figure out how to work together. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. I, I'd do it in a second. I, I'd trade Thibel pretty Yeah, I, I, I would too. I would do Thibel. If, if, if I'm the Sixers, I'm willing to give up. Ben, Thibel, whatever else filler you need. If you need filler, I don't think you do. And I'd be willing to give up either three first-round picks or two first-round picks and two first-round pick swaps. Like, I, I'm willing to throw close to the whole, you know, barn for Beal. I, I would be on that same wagon, Lucas. The one thing I do want to mention, Chris, is it – I probably should have added this. This is probably would have been, I guess, more towards the conversation. There was a report from the athletics, Fred Katz, who said from people I've talked to, I'm not as confident now that he's definitely going to come back. Talking about Bradley Beal. I wouldn't be sitting here betting my life on the fact that Bradley Beal is on the wizards next season, even though I'm still making them the favorites. So, so I've, I've been reading about Beal is that 
he before he was like Mr. Loyalty, Mr. Damian Lillard of the East Coast. Now, now, now. he might be willing to go. That's what I, yeah. I read recently. Yeah, and, and, sure. yeah. but yeah. I, I still don't think it's going to be a trade deadline thing. I think yeah, no, be... it, it it'd be the off season. And yeah, sorry, Chris, go ahead. Yeah, I, I think they're going to try to get him to resign in free agency, sign an extension, mm-hmm. whatever. But we'll see if that works. But if even they don't, from these reports, it, it doesn't seem like they're trying to you know swing a Beal trade right now. It seems like they're trying to put like Sabonis or Jeremy Grant next to Beal. That's not that enough. The difference. That's not going to make a That's difference. Not, no. I mean, like Sabonis and Beal would be really good together. Like, but I, are I, they going to contend? Just... Are they going to contend in the East? No, but it might okay, put them in the play-in, and it might make them. You know, Bradley Beal's not cool. trying to be in the play-in. Okay, Bradley Beal's trying to make a deep playoff run. Um, we don't know that. He what sign has there been of that? He's been with Washington. He's been loyal to Washington. Let's say they can't bring in players to help Beal. So well, if Washington exactly. doesn't that's deal, okay, man, okay. That's why you trade for Zabonis. If your goal is to get Beal to stay, which it seems like their goal is still to do that, you gotta make, give them a reason to say so Sabonis is Indiana, better than Westbrook. So who who does Indiana take in return? They take what Kuzma and Dinwiddie. I mean, I, I if I'm Washington, I try to keep Kuzma. Him and Beal have chemistry, but you would try that. You, so you, you you would you would trade either uh, Hachimura Aviad, mm-hmm. um, probably maybe uh, you don't. I don't think they want Dinwiddie to be honest. He's kind of a bad <laughs> value contract right now. Um, I don't know, Chris. Who else would you do? I mean, if you're if you're Indiana, you definitely want one of those two forwards. Who else do you want? Yeah, look, I, I'm not maybe a backup center. Maybe they want Harold. I'm I mean, not saying you... they're the running favorites, but like, yeah, you know, you give up Kuzma to get Sabonis. I, yeah. I chemistry only goes so far. There's yeah. a pretty big chasm between those two as players. Um, like Kispert, Avdia, Hatchimore, all those guys, they have good young players and they have picks they can chill out. Like they can put a pretty convincing package together. So, We'll have to see. I don't know if trading for Sabonis is what they should do. We might be at the point where they probably should trade Beal while they can still get something. Maybe that's really where their head should be, but I don't think it's where their head is. And yeah, yeah. If I if, if I'm Tommy Shepard, I would think about retooling the center position, and then everything else is pretty much set for Ben to take over. Um, but let me put it this way: Sabonis. We're talking about Ben Sabonis is a 25 year old All Star, multi time All Star. Is making way less than Ben, and he's playing basketball right now. All right, let's talk a little bit more about Ben Simmons because it's an obligation at this point. Um, you know, we are recording on February 2nd. The trade deadline is February 10th. There's a new piece from Ramona Shelburne at ESPN, who, as we know, is as well-connected to Ben's camp and, you know, the ideas of his camp as anyone. We've seen her do great reporting on Ben in the past. A lot of new stuff in the article, a lot of stuff that we kind of suspected but didn't outright have, you know, on paper. I'll just go to this quote first, Lucas. According to sources close to Simmons, he's upset that Embiid seemed to blame him for last season's playoff loss when Simmons did not blame Embiid for Embiid's poor showing in the playoffs against the Toronto Raptors in 2019. What was your reaction to that line? I know a lot of people on Sixers Twitter bumped a little bit when they read that. Um I, I mean, I did too. It, I, I, you know, what was your reaction there? Well, two things. One, Joel, 
I don't remember him playing horrendous. I thought he played pretty well considering he was dealing with a what stomach virus and being out of shape, right? Out of because due to injury, he wasn't able to stay in shape, right? That, yeah, that's, look, that's, like, that's 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 what happened, right? And B so, shot thirty seven percent from the floor that series, but they were also like plus a hundred with him on the floor and minus a thousand with him off the floor. Mm-hmm. He played great defense. It, and it, it's like. A tale as old as time. Joel and and, and I'm pretty player. sure Ben only had like average 15 points per game in that series. Like Ben wasn't spectacular either. Let's be clear on that. Um, and yeah, but to be fair, Toronto has one of the best defenses for Joel Embiid in like recent NBA history. Uh, Marcus All at the time was still an elite defender. So like, and Joel hadn't figured out how to play against Gasol yet. So that's that. See, okay. The difference is, is that the series loss couldn't really be blamed on Joel. That was just the Raptors had a lucky shot. Like that, that's how fans feel about it. Fans feel about Ben choking is different though. Cause that's what Ben did. He choked. Yeah. And, look, and I, yeah, I think how I view this is like, if Ben thinks and beat through him under the bus, sure. I, a lot of people pick that up. That's what a lot of people took away from Embiid's press conference after the game from Doc Rivers' press conference, we'll talk about it. Like, that was a pretty widely held belief that they threw Ben under the bus. I, mm-hmm. I, I can understand being kind of ticked off by that. Um, like, the comparison is stupid. I don't know if this is Ben saying that to Ramon, if it was, like, Rich Paul, one of Ben's friends. We don't really know the origin of this particular comparison. Obviously, it's stupid. Like, Joel was extremely important to the Sixers in that series. They lost because Kawhi did historic things. Ben was really good in that series too. Like he made Kawhi work for just about everything. Ben was, you know, Kawhi was going nuclear on Jimmy and Tobias and whoever else tried to guard him. Like Ben was really important in that series too. So it wasn't like Ben was to blame either, but yeah, it's a stupid comparison. They're, they're completely, it doesn't even make any sense, but um, yeah, I, I don't know really what to make of it i I, I feel like ben's just trying i feel like ben's camp is almost trying to stir the pot before the trade deadline tried to get him traded but this is not the way to do it they both didn't have a good series at least Embiid had an excuse that he was sick now uh, and wasn't he coming off a bum knee no let's not they both had good series like they were both good players Uh, joel struggled with they both they both didn't have good series they both didn't play up ben to their was, potential. Ben played elite all-world defense for seven games for 45 minutes a night. Ben was incredible that series. And, and Joel had and, some pretty and great... And Kawhi lit him up anyway. How, no. how do you play all-elite defense, but yet someone is averaging because 30 Kawhi points Kawhi was the best player in the world. It, it doesn't happened. matter. It doesn't matter. Why did Iggy... Well, okay, why are we arguing about the semantics why about this? Why did Iggy this, win this, finals the... MVP when LeBron averaged like 36, 8, and 8? It, it's because he they lost. work for it. Because they lost. Okay, okay, that okay. I agree with that. I because LeBron, LeBron should have been MVP. But, I thought it was going to be the second time since Jerry West that the losing why did player would have MVP because of his defense on LeBron, and LeBron still put up numbers. That doesn't mean Iggy wasn't really important to Golden State winning that series. Well, he also was averaging like yeah, 20 points. Ben only averaged like eleven points, six assists, whatever. But he was like playing his. Here's my argument. All right, Chris. Here's my retort. If your best player, if, if Embiid is not playing his best, it's your responsibility to step up and take 
over. He did not. Now, That's Jimmy, what Jimmy did. D- Jimmy, Jimmy did, but I still think Ben could have stepped up even more. Well, okay. Think about how many. Uh, okay, guys, 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 guys. Think about this. You know how many offensive mouths there were to feed in that offense? You had JJ Redick, who was still like beasting, even though he's like 34. You had Tobias Harris, who was, you know, at, coming in from LA, averaging 20 points, even though he kind of stunk that playoff. So let's not forget that. Um, Joel, Joel was still an all NBA player. Ben uh, and Jimmy Butler was taking over the offense and rightfully so. So Ben, Ben was low on the pecking order in that. Ben was fourth or fifth in the scoring hierarchy. And he like made all the hustle plays. Like, I don't know what more you want out of him in that context. Obviously Ben is not an elite scorer, but that's just not his game. I I mean, we can both have Ben's personality, but he was good in that series. And so was Joel. You both have valid points, and let's not revisit and bring up box scores. I, I That's what I was trying to say. I know. Let's. You're right. Let's, let's not do that. I'm. I'm just. I'm just a little annoyed that whatever was written by Ramona Shelburne, particularly about this topic, it's just annoying. It's well, it's it's Ben's camp trying to stir the pot. That that's what's right. happening. It's, it's the trade annoying. deadline. Ben's camp is trying to stir the pot. And Chris, there was something else he said too, right? Yeah, so in, in talking about Rivers, Ben basically, if the report was that Simmons didn't text, didn't call, ignored all of Doc's attempts at communications, but still wanted Doc to do more, wanted him to show up at a well-known gym in the San Fernando Valley that Ben trains at, basically wanted um, Ben, you know, Doc to make a more overt overture to try to cheer him up. I, I, I obviously this is pretty inexplicable from Ben's perspective. Like you can't ignore people and expect them to come anyways. Um, what was your reaction to that, Lucas? So, you know what this sounds like to me? Oh, I'm mad at him. I'm going to ignore him. Why ain't he texting me? That is exactly what that was. Like that is a girl who is like gave her man the cold shoulder when he leaves her alone he's she's mad that he's leaving her alone and that's exactly what ben sounds like in this yeah so i i agree that this report did not maybe shine the po- a positive light on ben i i think a lot of people were criticizing ramona for like it being one-sided towards ben and his camp i don't think anyone read that report and was like wow ben simmons this makes Ben look great. You know, I, I really don't see that side of it at all. Um, I know Doc Rivers was mad about this quote. And look, I, I I get it to a certain degree. Like, Ben was pissed that he got thrown under the bus. Sure, if that like, I get it. It happens. Not everyone handles conflict the same way. Mm-hmm. It, can't, can't, and f- sorry, I'm going to interrupt we, here. We moved, but, Chris, we I, I, I got to say this. I got to say this. Ben got mad, got butt hurt, and and sorry for the cur- cursing here, but he wanted Doc Rivers to kiss his ass. <laughs> he wanted him to kiss his ass in order for him to come back. I mean, am I wrong? Wait, you're right, Lucas. But Chris, my question <laughs> to you is this: if, if if they don't want Ben to look bad, why would people from Ben's camp talk to Ramona Shelburne and tell him things that would make him look bad? Hello. Well, I don't think this was a. Uh, she didn't pull Rich it out of the air. She I don't think this was air. a rich. I don't think this was a Rich Hoffman room uh, move. I think this was a Ben 
saying, I want this, Rich, you're going to do it for me because you're my agent. Because Rich Hoffman knows better. Rich He's Paul. not stupid. Rich Paul. Rich Paul, sorry, yeah, not Rich yeah. Hoffman. Sorry, Rich <laughs> Hoffman. Two Riches, completely different jobs. No, but Chris, Rich- does that make sense? Does that make sense? You said well, it made him look bad. They clearly, there are parts where clearly Ben's camp probably thought it made more sense than it did. In t- like, like, people can do a bad job explaining themselves. And I feel like that's kind of what happened here. So. He wanted I, him to say he was sorry and then kiss his ass about it. Yeah. That's, that's what happened here, guys. The irony, well, though, Lucas. I think, end of the day, clearly Ben handled it poorly and did not do what he needed to do to restore the relationship. I think the Sixers, as was reported, there are people this, like people on Philly's side probably didn't help themselves, didn't help restore the relationship properly either. It's clear that Maury didn't have a great relationship with Ben. Some of that's on Maury. Maury admitted that. I think one thing that stood out to me, like Ben makes this show of faith to show up before the last preseason game before the like why fine him for missing that game what what is that what good is that doing anyone where does that really get anyone like like stuff like that the Sixers really didn't need to twist the knife like if you really truly wanted things to be better you wanted to get Ben back on the court and to repair the relationship why are you finding him when he showed up you know so th- there were things that could have gone different ways from both perspectives but yeah this clearly Paints Ben as someone who got upset, got his feelings hurt, which happens. You know, there are people, end of the day, you strip the $30 million away, you strip the, you know, sports franchise and the owners and the GMs away. Like, it happens. I get it. But, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, how it do you, really does not work. How do you tell someone, it. how do you tell someone, don't don't try to reach out to me, don't don't call me, I'm, I'm out west, don't call me, and then turn around and say, well, no one showed up at my at my gym session. I, I it's the girlfriend that the it's the it's the example of the ex girlfriend that oh I d- don't talk to me and then he don't talk to her and doesn't. No, talk you got to do her. the voice, man. You got to do the. Uh, voice. Do I have to do the voice again? Do the voice. No, we want to hear the voice. Do it. No, no. I I think I think oh, once is enough man. on a podcast. Once is enough. I'm going to edit like... and dub it in just to annoy Chris. <laughs> I love that voice. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, anyway, but you know, it's just the example of the you know girlfriend that says that she doesn't want want him to talk to her, but then he really she really just wants him to come back, you know, groveling and stuff. And then when he actually gives, she gets mad about it. That's that's exactly what's happening. Here. So somebody somebody brought up money, and I'm going to read this. And I think last time we were together, we were like we weren't really sure. So this was in the recent report. Simmons has lost over $19 million in fines since the season began. Each game missed costs him $360,000. He hasn't cleared a paycheck since the $8.25 million that was due to him October 1st. Every two weeks, the team sends him a notice with an explanation of all the fines he's accumulated for failing to render services instead of a $1.375 million paycheck. And on top of that, in the report, they were saying we don't care about the money, and, and they use the cuss word. So, this this is so far beyond just comprehension of of the I guess a normal person who would. Give Ben's never going to get money. a big contract again. Never going to get a long term contract again. I agree with that. I mean, guys, 
Look, I don't think he can get big money, but he's not going to get more for a year or two. I mean, maybe three bad? years. Is it that bad in Philadelphia? Are we that mean of a fan base? Is the city? I think that we've bad? been. I think we've been pretty understanding. We were understanding of faults. We were understanding. All right. We, I mean, we even got behind Jaleel Okafor. Let, let guys, Chris jump seven. in. Come on, There's Chris. There's been nothing but vitriol aimed at Ben Simmons from the Philly fan base. So I, I really don't know if we can pull that card. Like, hey, but I, I get it. But he is who he is. Game seven. Prior to Game 7, there was nothing but support. Sure. Exactly. Yeah, and, no, for and sure. And Doc supported him all season, Chris. Honest to God, I don't think this is really about the fan base. I think it's about the Doc comment and the ben, and the Joel comment and a myriad other things. It probably is something about Maury, but I don't know. Clearly, Ben's done with Philly. He's standing his ground. Not many guys would give up $30 million over something like this. Clearly, he feel strongly enough that he's just not ready to play for Philly right now. So in in a certain respect, you kind of have to like give him. But wouldn't your love of the game make you swallow your pride, get out there so you can go somewhere else? He doesn't love the game. Ooh, he doesn't love the game. Strong take there. Strong take there. I love it. In Philly, we, we, we really can't be throwing around those insults. It's just not fair to Chris, All right. Chris, you're going to like this take, okay? You make a lot of sense in terms of the vitriol. That's all true. And today I was driving home from work, and Ike Reese, who used to play for the Philadelphia Eagles, he has his own talk show. Um, Him and, I think, was it John Marks? Anyway, so he was coming from the perspective of a professional athlete. And he was basically, even though Ike and every other sports personality is done with Ben, because he played professional sports, he put it out there like this. Look. He felt he feels betrayed because the brothers in his locker room, his teammates basically turned on him, particularly Joel. So the psychology of that is it just makes sense that Ben is fed up and he wants nothing to do with the Sixers. The fans is another thing, but I do. I do. It does make sense why he just doesn't want to play for the Sixers because he feels like he's betrayed by his coach and his brothers, his teammates. Yeah, I mean, look, clearly Ben could have handled things differently, could have handled things better, whatever, but it's understandable why he's where he is. Like, I don't think it's that hard to be understanding of it, frankly. Um, You know, I mean, he clearly doesn't feel like he can play for Phil. He's giving up $19 million. I don't think that's a criticism of Ben. I I think it's like clearly just doesn't feel good enough about Philly for whatever reason we want to slap on there to play. So he's not playing. And you know, that's that we'll see if they trade him. We'll see if they meet again after the deadline, if he's not traded, whatever. But I I think he's pretty clearly done with Philly. It seems pretty evident that he doesn't care about the money because all his actions up to this point, you know, seem to, well, there's that. Well, hold up, hold up. Now he is trying. They are taking it to arbitration, from what I've heard, is that he's trying to get that money back through arbitration, which will take a while. But sure. But how many guys would, honest to God, risk thirty million dollars that he might not get back in arbitration? Like, well, apparently Ben is. Yeah. <laughs> so clearly, he doesn't care about the money enough to be playing for a team that he doesn't want to play for. I, I mean. I, I'm just saying, if it, if it was most people, they would they would suck it up long enough to play to increase his trade value and so that they can get out of it. The sooner, the better. And that's enough about Ben Simmons. We're going to go ahead and uh, shift gears here to Joel Embiid. 
because, you know, he's the real MVP. And at least for this month and for the second month in a row now, he's won Eastern Player Conference of the Month, which is the first time in Sixers team history. So, and he won it both in December and January of the season. So, Chris, what can we say about this recent accomplishment by Joel? Um, well, I, I think it kind of speaks for itself. Um, he's one of the best players in the NBA right now. He's been the best player in the East for two months in a row. Um, he's playing at an MVP level. We keep saying that every pod, every week. Um, you know, he there aren't many guys who are doing what he's doing on both sides of the ball. You know, scoring-wise, he's outpacing just about everyone in the NBA right now. He's in the conversation for defensive player of the year. Like he's a very special player and he continues to get better, continues to add to his game year after year. Um, so this may not even be the ceiling. So, uh, yeah, I mean, congrats to Joel. He's earned it. He, he probably should have won like eight player of the weeks in a row, but they gave that one to Trey young for some reason. Um, so, you know, it, it just speaks to how great Joel is. Yeah, I mean, I think this 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 type of achievement plus the past two, three, four, five. Well, how I guess he's technically playing in his sixth season, even though he's been in the league for eight years now. Um, I think this kind of puts. We have to start having him in the conversation of. I I think this hot take here. Can we put him? Can we start having him in discussion as possibly top five sixer of all time? Absolutely, absolutely, hands down. Is it? Is it? Is it? I mean, I know he's only played six seasons, but like, is is it? Is it too soon? That's not a hot take. I think a lot of a lot of fans in Philadelphia are already feeling that. Well, let's think about this. You have you have Wilt, you have AI, you have Charles, you have Doctor J. Right. Who else after that? You got Moses. Moses, okay, so he's in front of Joel. Hal Greer. Hal Greer. Dolph Shaves. Right. Shares. Yeah, sorry. He's in the rafters. Um anybody else? So Joel beats already top ten player of all time in Sixers history? Oh easily. Yeah. yeah. I would probably put him in front of Al Greer and Dolph Shares, though. I would say that. Look, and he's gonna go down to NBA history as probably the the, the best big man. Ever. Most skilled, most skilled, big, right? Most skilled yeah. big man ever. I think even even well, like Kendrick Perkins is like salivating well, over him. Oh, I'm Yoke sorry, Lucas. That's a pretty strong. <laughs> I mean, let's not. You know, there are going to be other. He, he he's 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 up there right now with uh, Kareem, uh, Hakeem. Sorry, Hakeem, not Kareem. Two completely different players. Um, yeah, I would say in terms of like being pure. Footwork, him and Hakeem are already like neck and neck. Jokic uh, could go in a gym twenty, like no, nah, exaggerating, twelve hours a day, three sixty-five, and still not be able to do the moves that Embiid makes because Embiid is he's a he's a unicorn. He's the unicorn that that uh, who's the, the tall kid um, from Dallas. Durant. Oh, I don't know, from Dallas. Yeah, Porzingis. Yeah, Porzingis is a unicorn. Now he can't even get yeah. minutes, and they're trying to trade him. But Embiid. Is doing stuff that he shouldn't be doing. Like, well, when, okay, when, when Jokic, is good, but okay, when Jokic was well, like twelve, he was playing almost. I think he's probably almost in a professional league, right? Because he's been playing his whole life. I Embiid mean, didn't start playing until he was fifteen. Yeah, 
I mean that that doesn't mean anything when we're comparing the most skilled players, though. Like when, but generally well, when speaking, it, I don't know why we have to tear down one to praise the other. Kind I'm of not tearing. Down. I'm not tearing down Jokic. Jokic. I'm just saying that it's you, 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 better. You, you, you kind of did though. You kind of did. did. I tear him down. Yeah, a little bit. Jokic, yeah, right, I'm sorry. Is a better scorer from the field than Joel. He's a better rebounder. He's one of the most gifted passers we've seen in the past few decades. Like Jokic okay. skill wise is up there. Let Embiid me is a better this. athlete. Embiid draws fouls at like a prodigious rate. But they're, they're skill wise, I, I think okay. it's at least the Chris, case for Jokic. You are okay. right. He has the, the case. But let me let me solve it like this, Lucas. He's more quick. athletic. Who Joel's would you, more athletic. Who would you, no. Who would you pay money to see? Joel Embiid or Nikola Jokic? Hello. Why why not both? No, no, you gotta pick one or the other. You gotta pick one or the other. Who are you paying money to see? I mean, as that's a Sixers a fan, argument. I'm gonna say, yeah. No, that's... No, no, if they're just like who would you pay money to see? Joel, because I'm a Sixers fan. Okay. Because yeah. no, I'm a Sixers no, fan. No, even if you're not a Sixers fan, Chris, you're paying to see Joel, not Jokic. Not that you would get a bad product with I mean, Jokic because he would put entertain. The argument this way. Jokic is a worse athlete. So wouldn't it require more skill to be able to do the things that he's doing? Because he can't use his legs and his explosiveness like Joel. He's, he's been playing longer than Embiid. What explosiveness? And... Exactly. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I had to say. <laughs> Ouch. That hurt. No, you're disparaging him, Lucas, not me. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm gonna own that one. <laughs> All right, look, we don't want Chris to have nightmares tonight, so let's just move on. Yeah, we got a social media question of the week, I think. Well, unless we want to do we want to do that last point you're right. Yeah, let's, just... yeah, I really want to talk about that. Okay, Bring okay. That up. So we got one more point here before we get to the social media question of the week. Uh Joel beats that out against the Grizzlies, which we talked about already, even though he wasn't injured. Do fans have a right to be upset about he that he has rest games, or should we think big picture and accept his prolonged as accepted as him prolonging his health. Um, yeah, like if you bought tickets to the Grizzlies game and, you know, Joel, like I get being kind of upset, but you were still treated to a great game. And like, I think anyone, like we've all watched Joel. We've seen the trajectory of his career. Anyone who's like Joel doesn't need rest, that these aren't important thoroughly clearly this was planned well in advance like clearly joel needs days off we've been talking up to the grizzlies game about how he's taking entire halves off how his defense is you know tapering off a little bit to support his offensive workload like clearly joel just because of his size and the amount of stress that he puts on those knees feet whatever like like it's important for him to rest it's important for every star lebron Kawhi, all those guys take rest days every now and then Jimmy in Miami, you name it. So it's not just a Joel thing. It was one day of rest after 20 straight games of playing. Um, I, I really can't complain. Um, you know, I, I get if you were like buying tickets to the game, if you were kind of ticked off. But even then, you're you, every now and then, you're still treated to a really compelling game of basketball. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think the fan base as a whole has always understood Joel's long-term health is more important. So if you've been following the Sixers since like the mid 20 teens, then you know that this is important and this is necessary. And if you've seen him for the past 20 games, you know that he just needs a rest. He needed to rest. Like he was, 
he was pretty exhausted by that 20, 21st game, however long it was, however long that streak was like, and like they, they've predetermined this prior to the beginning of the season, because I think the first game that he missed because of COVID that was supposed to be a rest day anyway. Right. So uh, this season, anyway, I'm referring to this season. Yeah, but. I mean, I think a lot of Sixer fans would really like me to have more rest days. Like, I, I, I kind of would, to be honest with you. We've uh, spent like four years of people begging the Sixers to, you know, and Joel to take. Joel has learned to pace himself. There was a really big problem early in his career where he just like made jumps and did things that he shouldn't. That were too risky, and he couldn't pace himself, and he got hurt. He got tired. He's a lot better at that stuff now, but he still needs some days off. Like that's mm-hmm. just the nature of being a star carrying the type of workload that he is at seven foot two, 600 pounds. Yes. Yes. So, Wait, you were going right. to say that. Uh, let me, let me be the, uh, I guess the bad guy in this, in this Devil's conversation, but I actually do mean this Lucas. And this is what I actually put in there because it was a conversation that was brought up in the clubhouse, but here's the bottom line. There's two reasons why Embiid should have played against the Grizzlies. Number one, we all want him to win MVP. And the one knock against him is that he's missed games and that lends itself to giving it to another player who's more consistent with their playing time. Number two, and this is this one is because I've experienced this, someone who pays good money to come and see their favorite player, like it's great that the team won. Right, there's no guarantee that Maxi was going to go off or the Sixers going to beat Memphis who was a hot team. But if I pay money and tickets are not cheap and I want to see an Embiid play, I expect him to play. If he's healthy, he's healthy. If he's injured, okay, I understand. But and the other thing is this. Why not just play him a first quarter? Just have him put his uniform on and play him 22 minutes and let Drummond play the rest. I'm going to write a letter to Adam Silver and say, look, this is how you solve this problem. Like, don't sit a player. Let him play a quarter so people can see their favorite player and everybody's happy. Boom. Um. I mean, I think that kind of defer- defeats the purpose of a rest day. It's just like, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, don't, I, 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 get, I get where you're coming from, though. I get where you're coming from because if, you know, if I was still living in Delaware, it, it's a two-hour drive from where I'm in Delaware Thank to you. get up to Philly. Thank you. So, so I, I get you. where you're coming from, but at the same token, we have to remember who Joel Embiid, the player, is. And referring to your MVP conversation, you're absolutely right. But that is a choice that Joel had to agree to. Right. So if jo- and if Joel didn't think that it would destroy his MVP, if he thought it was going to destroy his MVP races, his chances there, which I don't think he he's in the driver's seat right now. I think Joel had to sign off on it, and clearly he did. So yeah, like I I get again I get the like I bought a ticket and I didn't get to see Joel thing. I understand it, but the whole point is to maximize the games he is able to play because he's not hurt and he's not tired and. Like, again, it's it's a preventative measure that every star in the NBA takes. It's not just Joel in Philly. It's LeBron in L.A. It's James Harden in Brooklyn. It's Hawaii in L.A. when he's healthy. Paul George in L.A. when he's healthy. Like, like it's not just the Joel thing. So it's not unique to the Sixers either. And, you know, it, it's improving the product long term. I get the ticket thing, but, I, I mean, I think if you want to maximize Joel's productivity over the course of an entire season and you want to win a championship you gotta you gotta you know have some of these playing rest days i think Look, someone brought up seven two two eighty okay david robinson uh eight times in his career eight, eight seasons he played over 80 games 
Akeem Olajuwon is probably I'm not looking. Okay, at that's right. It's probably similar. So if they could do it in the '90s and '80s, Joel was, is bigger than those guys, and <sighs> Joel is moving in ways those guys never did. And today's oh, day, Joel, I mean, Dave Robinson was more athletic. I I beg to differ. Uh, I beg to differ. I watch athleticism I watch, around the rim. Athlet like that's Joel is bringing the ball up the court. He's the fulcrum of every offensive possession. He's doing things off the dribble, jab steps, all this stuff. That yeah, because he grew up. Because Chris, he grew up watching Kobe Bryant on YouTube. David Robinson didn't have that luxury of watching someone do what sure, he thought he but could do. That, that that doesn't. That's not the point. It's like that. Joel's just putting more stress on his knees than those guys. Andy has a history of injuries, in a way that those guys didn't. It's just just not that's, the same thing. Hey, hey, mom and dad, I, I think it's time for us to go ahead and get to our I, – I think we can just, you know, just put a pin in it here, guys. I look forward to debating Chris every week. <laughs> I think Chris, he's a very knowledgeable guy. He is. He is. He that. is. He but really I think is. we're beating a dead horse at this all point. All right. All right. Let me pull up the question. Let me pull up. We need the swoosh. I should I should have had it ready, but I had to pull up David Robinson. Or maybe, maybe, maybe you know, maybe Chris can do the whoosh for us. Yeah, Chris, do a, a, a vocal whoosh. <clears throat> mm. Okay. Not bad, not bad. I need a little more bass in that. Like, <laughs> I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> All right, I'll just get to it. All right, this social media question got a lot of hits, guys. So uh, you guys posted it earlier. The question is, right now, who fits better with the Sixers? The options were James Harden, Bradley Beal, Damian Lillard, and Jaden Brown. Jalen Brown. <laughs> oh, okay. So someone replaced the D or the or L. I I wrote it, but it must have auto corrected when I was typing it because I remember typing L. We forgive you. All right. Anyway, the point is this was pretty. This was not overwhelming on any sense. So twenty five percent. Said Harden fits better. Thirty-two percent said Bradley Beal. Twenty-seven percent said Jaden Brown. I'm sorry, Jalen Brown. And sixteen percent said Damian Lillard. So Lucas, who do you, who do you think fits better in the Sixers? You think Jaden fits better? Yeah. Okay. 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 I, I deserve that one. Probably for my horrendous impersonation of an angry girlfriend from earlier. I yes, like that I, impression. I I. I kind of feel bad about it now because I feel like I'm going to get some women mad at me. But anyway, uh, let's see here. Uh, I would say Beal. I feel because it's not just okay. I might be a little tunnel vision here, but I don't feel like it's just about the fit with Joel anymore. It's the fit with Joel and Maxi because I feel Maxi's untouchable now. So I I think you have to consider the fit with Maxi. And basically that takes Lillard out of it for my book because I don't think those two could play together. Mm. Um, mm. James Harden, it'd be tricky, but mm. not impossible. Um, you take away Tyrese's playmaking, which is finally starting to come along. Jalen Brown, sure, but I, I I would like a little extra playmaking next to Maxi, and that's what you get in Beal. And Beal is not doesn't need to be ball dominant to be effective. Chris, what do you think? Yeah, I, I mean, fit is sub- like a subjective thing. Like, like who? What did the Sixers need most in general? Is like a big athletic wing. So in that sense, be Jalen Brown. But really, you just want the best player 
and the best player is still James Harden. And James Harden would do a whole lot of good for the Sixers. So I, I I'd want James Harden the most out of that group. I think he'd elevate I think, the, I, the most. I think you have the biggest risk with besides the Lillard. Like James Harden presents the biggest risk. He's the oldest player. He has a lot of mileage. He's not I get fresh. it, but you got like he's playing. Risks. He's not playing. Championship. We're talking about fit though. Like right now, like if they I, I know, I know. I'm just saying, like I, I have my reservations. This is a short term question. I, I know, I know. I'm just, I'm just saying, I'm just saying. And I'm gonna disagree with both of you. I say Jalen Brown, just because he can play D. If you're losing Ben, you need another wing defender, especially if you, you know Thibault is not available or they trade him. So, I, I, I mean, fair. Saying. That's that's not a bad I take. Agree. Like, you, like fit wise, that's certainly an argument you can make. But again, he's like. I, he's the worst player on the list. So it's just how are you defining fit exactly? Is, really is he the worst? Here. Is he not having a better season than Beal this year? Is Hello? Uh, Hello? Yeah. Come on, guys. Uh, Call it what it is. Um, I'd rather not. <laughs> I'd rather you have not. one of those guys for half the season. Who who would you want? Forget the Ooh. future. The second half of the year. Who do you you want? talk about how they're playing this year? I think a lot of guys would want Beal, even with how they're playing this year. Like, do you think Beal's not going to shoot better than 30% after the All-Star break from three? Like, do you think that number's not going to go up? It's going to go up. He's Bradley Beal. He's a great shooter. Like, guys have slumps. And if he's on the Sixers, he's going to get a lot more space. The Wizards are a complete dumpster fire. Like, it's not all yeah. his fault. So, you know, it it, it it's situational. Um yeah. I, James Harden's the guy I'd want most, but yeah. you can make a case for any of them. Like Lillard is one of the great, great three-point shooters of all time. Like his, but he's so ball dominant. We're just all hung up with the ab injury now, which I get it. It's clearly he, he might not come back this year. Who knows? Yeah, but like Dame spacing the floor next to Joel is going to do a whole lot. There's there's a case for everyone. Yeah, I mean, I just. Uh... Uh, just a backcourt with Maxi and Dame just it doesn't fit in my head. But anyway, that's fair. Chris, I think it's time. Yeah. We've been on this podcast for a long time. There's been a lot of things said. Impersonations were done. Chris was whooshing. <laughs> I think it's time for us to go ahead and end uh misspellings happened. And I Oosh. think it's time for I think it's time for us to wrap this up. Whoosh. Whoosh. All right. Thanks everyone for listening to this week's episode of the Jaden Brown podcast. Um, <laughs> We really appreciate you tuning in. It was a real treat to talk to you all about Jaden Brown, the Celtics star wing. And we will be back early next week to talk some more about Jaden Brown. So until then, please like, subscribe, and follow along. You're just salty because you lost that trivia game, huh? Spotify, I mean Spotify, um, Google Play, and on our website, thesixersense.com, where we have all your written Jaden Brown content. Yep, still salty. Um, there's so much of it. So, yeah. Thanks, everyone. We really appreciate it. And until next week, go Jaden Brown. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. 
every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.